Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I feel a bit disorientated, Musa. Why is that? It's because we didn't have our usual chit-chat before the recording. We just went straight into it. <laughs> I feel like I'm not sure if I know you anymore. No preamble. This is a Strictly Business podcast. Listen, uh, Musa and I's relationship is, is broken down to the point where now we literally don't talk to each other outside the podcast. The transactional phase. There is Stadio Beef. Stadio there's Beef. No Stadio Beef. There's no Stadio. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I wonder if there are any actually. Yeah, the roll, the roll at Cardigan did actually get quite tasty. It did. No, I didn't really because it was just so ridiculous. It was like Brexit for me. I was just like, all right, man, if you want to vote, I mean, I can't. They're the worst beefs, they're the most ridiculous just, ones. Whatever. Like, do you think? You'll regret it in five years. That's true, actually. That's true. How are you, man? I'm very well. I really enjoyed uh, the weekend's football despite. Some of the adverse results. <laughs> God, bad. You and me are down bad. Down bad. But listen, <laughs> as a football fan, first, it was a great weekend of football. It was a great weekend of football. On that, you and Flo are going to join Ian mm. on Wrighty's house. That'll go up tomorrow morning. And you're going to talk about Arsenal's win over Chelsea in the WSL at Emirates Stadium. Yep. Ian and Flo were there. And you'll also do more Premier League stuff as well. Just a quick shout for Counter Press, actually. They're going to go normal today. So they're also going to be doing the Women's FA Cup draw. <laughs> They've been handed the keys. And then another counterpress on Thursday. So yeah, go check out Wright's House and Counterpressed. Uh, Stadio site is has it's got a new it's got a new written piece on there by some dude called Ryan Hun. Uh, a little thing about going to the Hamburg Derby. It's up on the site now, stadio.football. Also the newsletter went out on the weekend. It is back. It is. It is actually back and it will stay back until the next time it goes on hiatus. But uh, stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in if you want to sign up for the newsletter. We're going to try and put it out every couple of weeks or so, along with a written piece on the website. Other bits of admin, we will be recording our Christmas episodes next week. So, as usual, Christmas Day, we will put out our Football Things to be Grateful for this year episode. So we are asking you for your submissions. Football Things you are grateful for this year. If you can email us, hello at stadio.football. We'll try and get us through as many as possible. Uh, and then the episode in between Christmas and New Year will be the award ceremony that no one asked for. Oh, God. The Stadios. The Stadios 2023, which I think is going to be, I think it might make some headlines this year. It's the least awaited so far. I mean, my nomination for Catfish of the Year is, I think it's going to shock you, actually. Oh, my God. Okay. Because it's not a person... It's not a. It's not an outlet. It's not a. It's not a team. I think it's I know a, what it is. I think I know what it is. I know what it is. No, I know what it is. I know what it is. And I think that's yeah. I understand. No, I think. Yeah. I'm of accord. I think it's probably the clear winner in a sense. Uh, yeah. If it's what I think it is, yeah. Should I tell you what I think it is? Yeah. Let's bleep it. Oh, <laughs> wow! That is hot. It's okay. not. It's not wrong, though, is it? Listen. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? I love that. I love yeah. that. I love. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I think. I think it might win. I think it's incredible. Thank you, mate. Uh, well, if you want to find out what that was, you'll have to tune into the Stadios 2023. I think that'll go up on the 28th of December. That's genuinely amazing. That's one of the best takes I've heard in a very long time. Thanks, man, because, um, you know, I just do a podcast. Football cannot get away with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, that's, that's all the admin. So today we're going to run through some, 
some results, a bit of roundup. We're going to obviously talk about the Premier League because I have a bit of a theory about the Premier League, but I'll, I'll save it for when we talk about it. But before we get into it, let's do a quick bit of roundup. Um, mention that you, Ian and Flo are going to talk about the uh, Arsenal women, mm. uh, Arsenal Chelsea game on Wright's house, but shout out for Arsenal women. 4-1 four, four win. Mm. Very, very good indeed. Emma yes. Hayes afterwards said the best team won, which they did. Uh, so make sure you go and check out Wright's house for that. Let's shout out Columbus Crew. Yes, very Who won so. the MLS Cup on the weekend. Uh, they beat LAFC 2-1. The pass from Amundsen for Yaboa's goal was absolutely incredible. It was. So it was. Shout walked that out. Onto it. Yeah, it's a gorgeous pass. But for Columbus Crew, that's their second MLS Cup in three years. Third in total. Oh, Outstanding. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. second and four. Sorry. Second and four seasons. 2020, they won it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, congrats to them. Do you want to do La Liga very, very quickly before we do Premier League? Uh, yeah. The, the, biggest, the biggest news out of La Liga, well, on the mm. field at least. The biggest yeah. news on the Sad field. Sad news off um, it. We'll get the, Sad news off it. The biggest on the field is probably Girona's 4 2 win over Barcelona. And within that, some bad misses from Barcelona. Mm. Um, some very disturbing defensive actions. So the goals by Gutierrez and Fernandez. The Barcelona defense is basically vacating the premises for both of those. Um, the other news from, well, is it really news anymore when Jude Bellingham has a man match performance and scores a beautiful goal that reminds you of a great? Uh, it's not, but so he scored a beautiful goal against Betis, the opener, uh, in a one all draw. He was man of the match and the goal was kind of a Raul type finish. So he's channeling Raul again. This is the thing, and I said it, like, it doesn't even get people hyped anymore when he does no. that because it's just Jude being Jude, Jude doing Jude things. Yeah. Um, Rubal's equaliser though. A banger. Oof. Clean, clean, clean. So good. Even Pellegrini so good. got excited. I know. <laughs> uh, well, like we mentioned, Jerome winning 4-2. Double La Liga. Atleti beat Almeria 2-1. Two uh, pretty early goals from Morata and Correa kind of were enough for Atleti. But um, right yeah, we mentioned... The season, yeah. Yeah, they are. We, we mentioned uh, some sad news. Um, mm. The game between Granada and Athletic Club was abandoned after 18 minutes due to a fan suffering a cardiac arrest in the crowd and very sadly passing away. They're going to restart the game tonight from the game was stopped. Um, I was just wondering if you want to do the rest of the stuff after we've done the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that yeah. because the Premier League was um, making itself noticed this weekend. Yeah, yeah. well, should we get into that? Because uh, I feel like we've got a lot to talk about. We do. All right, let's get into it after this. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, man. I think, actually, we should start with Liverpool. You think? Well, they're top of the league mm. and I think that they've kind of got there very quietly. Mm. Apart from actually, to be fair, Liverpool fans have been talking about this for a long, long time. Um, we made a point, we were going to do a thing on them a couple of weeks ago and then I think the Everton thing happened. Mm. Um, 
Liverpool's top of the Premier League, and it's the middle of December. That's ahead of schedule. That feels ahead of schedule. I mean, I know they've brought in brilliant players, but the way they've been integrated and the way that Liverpool have solved Mm. old problems and presented new challenges to opposition, I think, is very notable. Mm. Um, And it's absolutely fitting. So they they beat Crystal Palace 2-1 away. The headline here, I suppose, is the winner from Harvey Elliott. And that really caps his his emergence as a brilliant playmaker Mm. and his injury and his recovery from that injury. And it's kind of so fitting that he should score the goal that takes them top, I would say. Especially against the rival that traditionally has given them a bit of trouble um, over the years, Crystal Palace. Well, I mean, so, we're kind of like, I know that Palace are in a bit of a sticky one of funk, form, yeah, a bit of a but funk. We've, we've talked about this before, about how like winning at Selhurst Park is just not, it's never a bad result. No, right, you know I mean? for sure, for sure. Uh, getting anything from there really can be quite tricky, but they've run this, they're on this run, which is what? It's no win since... Um, since the 4th of November, since they beat Burnley. So it's one, two, three, four, five games without a win. They go with Man City on the weekend, which kind of looks like a nailed on three points for them. I'm not going to lie. Bring Andros Townsend back on loan quickly for that game. So to be honest, everyone's having, from everyone's having yards. a go at Man City at the moment. So, you know, why should Crystal Palace be different? Mm. No, but I mean, Liverpool, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the, the sending off, which I think was... Very I think harsh. it did. I, th- I, yeah, I think, I do you know what? Very harsh. And it did change the game. It was silly. It was silly. Let, yeah. I'll just say this much. Like Crystal Palace, one nil up with about 15 to go, 15, 20 to go. And just what's the point? <clears throat> because it invited pressure. And but against, what, what, I don't see what you mean. What's the point? What's the point of sending the challenge? No, the, 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 cha- the, the challenge, the challenge, the challenge. Just, I don't know. Cause I don't think it was, it wasn't a silly challenge. It was just a foul. Like, it was just a foul. It wasn't even a... Maybe, 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 I'm, maybe I'm judging from the perspective of the way it was penalised. Maybe it's that. I mean, I, I think it was bizarre the way that it was penalised because I just don't think it was a... I think the first one was pretty harsh and mm. I think the second one was very harsh. I, yeah, I slightly... Maybe I'm in my authoritarian phase, but I don't know. No. I, I think maybe... Do you know what it was? I think I'm only judgmental on it because of how much Crystal Palace needed those points and they needed that turnaround. But I think that Liverpool. I mean, it wasn't exactly like no, no Weigl, Julian Weigel's tackle in the fucking Union game. Yeah, exactly. No, it wasn't one of the ones where you're walking. You're like, okay, I've done it. And I'm already walking. You know, not, there's, there's, there's fouls where Matt's Hummels. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the, the highest point of that is the Roy Keane one against Overmars. Yeah, where you're like quite like, a bad tackle. Yeah, Keane is just walking because he knows it's it, game yeah. is up. So, you know, so I think okay, let's say. A little lucky to get the red for it, but Liverpool, to their credit, absolutely capitalised. They've been doing that all season. Mm. And it hasn't always been, I think their ascent, because it hasn't been, if you look at like peak Liverpool, the Liverpool that blew everyone away to win the league mm. for the first time in 30 years, and you had the football was just like, it was a, it was a sonata at points. Mm. And they've been more, you look at like, for me, the typical Liverpool win this year has been the win over Newcastle. The one away that 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 if you had to talk about the quintessential Liverpool victory this year so far, it would be the Newcastle win, where you've got a variety of problems by the opponents who sit deep at times, and you find a solution and you break through. So you've got Liverpool. I think the the key element this year has not been so much fluidity as resilience, mm. but that's not a criticism. It's like it's a compliment because it's a very hard thing to be fluid in a Premier League that's competitive, which we'll get to in a moment, I'm sure. Mm. Mo Salah quietly accumulating goals. Mo Salah is just. 200 goals for Liverpool 
327th appearance, 150th Premier League goal. It's a strike rate comparable to Aguero's for City. Mm. I think Aguero was like in a, what, 260 and three, about 400. It's a similar strike. It's unbelievable. So Salah quietly accumulating goals, Elliot popping up with a winner. If you look at the players Liverpool brought in, Soboslai and McAllister have just been... I think they've been great. They've been great and McAllister even more credit because he's playing kind of out of position. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, didn't we, when we were talking about Endo and how like, you know, that, that Liverpool midfield last season just kind of fell apart with injuries and then they just didn't really have the backup. Mm. And I think they just got way more help this year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, you know, having Luis Diaz back fit is so Huge. big for them because yes, he, I think he's, he's a massive, massive player for them. I mean, if you think about it, like Diogo Jota was essential really for Liverpool on that left-hand side, especially mm. after Mane left. But Diaz coming in has been amazing. Then when they lost him to that injury, it was so, they kind of really struggled. They had so many injuries. Mm. Darwin Nunez kicking on again another season. Actually, here's a slight hot take about Liverpool. They probably have the highest number of players who Very present player, unique challenges to the opposition. Mm. If you look at like, you know, um, anything from Curtis Jones to Harvey Elliott to Luis Diaz to Darwin Nunes, they're all like singular players. Mm. Like McAllister, they all have like very, um, they're, not, they're not interchangeable, which is why I think Liverpool are so interesting. It's why they struggle so much with these absences. When everyone's back, they're a real problem because it's really hard to find ways to set up against them for 90 minutes because they've yeah. always got they've always got they've got radically different ways they can configure against you the only thing I would worry about from a Liverpool point of view at the moment now is losing Joel Matip because he's down he's, he's basically done for the season he's his cruise shit last week and that's a really that's a bad loss I mean it's, it's really sad for him as well because I think his contract's up in the summer mm. so he might not play for Liverpool again but him the, the record with him and Van Dijk together in that centre-back partnership is really really good and I mean We've raved about Ibrahima Kanate yeah. for years, and I think he is a really, really good centre back. It'd be interesting to see what he does with like a real run of games next to Van Dyke. But Kwanzaa started this game. They're obviously going to face sterner tests than this current Palace iteration. Mm. Whether they're going to face it next weekend or not is another story because they host Man United. Not the sternest of tests at the present, moment, no. But at the moment, no. But yeah, I mean, it, just from their point of view I mean to be if you look at all the all of the hype around Manchester City all of the hype around Arsenal Liverpool sitting there after 16 games top of the league and I think that's just right even, and it just kind of feels like they've done it very very quietly no noise coming out yeah not really like, no. No, no I mean yeah. the noisiest part of the season was you know around that Spurs game right and that's kind of past yeah, yeah. I mean, that feels like an age ago now mm. Um, so yeah, Liverpool setting top of the league from point from Roy from a Roy Hodgson point of view. Did you hear what he said afterwards? No, no. It's a really sad thing where he said, um, "I'm afraid I've been in long. I'm, I'm afraid I've been in football a long time, and games like today make me realise that when the day comes to leave it behind, I won't be missing anything." That is really really sad. And they pushed him on it later on TNT, and he said uh, the refereeing and the referees, the referee. The referee's incentives. I'm absolutely sick about the handball interpretations. I'm sick about these yellow cards with time wasting. I'm sick about player behaviour. Um, all through the game, we're trying to do our job. The coaches who set this game up unbelievably well are trying to get a bit of advice and, ev out. and every time they step forward, they 
get even close to me, the guy's screaming at them to sit down again. I'm sick of those things. Just like... He sounds so we- world-weary, careworn. But yeah. do you know what, though? He's not wrong, I don't think. He's not wrong about this, you know, this kind of like almost micromanagement of football. It's the inevitable result of everything being measured. So it's just amplified it because there's mm. more things. Now that more things are measured, there's more things to have jurisdiction over. So there's more little kingdoms you can carve out. You know, they go, people have always... When he said this, I was genuinely like, oh, fuck, man, that's actually like really sad. When it's someone who's... Do you know, when, I, when you say this, what I would say is this as well. Someone who's seen so many evolutions in the game and so many phases of change, mm. and some things which are incredibly positive, you know, some of the sports science, prolonging careers, you've got... You look at someone like, um, I don't know... Luka Modric prolonged his career to that point. That is advances in science and not just great diet, but just optimizing player performance. All of that stuff is obviously stuff he's been excited about. And Roy Hodgson himself has coached in different phases of the game, different countries. So what makes you weary is at the end of it, your body of work and your legacy is, this is something he's given his entire life to, right? So the disappointment comes from a personal place because you're like, I was a huge figure in this. And I put so much effort into it and it still worked out like this. And he, he sounds actually like someone who's worked for an NGO for like 30 years, mm. who's bemoaning the increasing like metric based work that, you know, like you know, he just, he just sounds like, he just sounds like some of those NGO workers I knew back in the day who worked for these NGOs for 30 years and over time were just like the micromanager just wore them down. Like he didn't sound bitter. Like when, when, when you, when you mentioned that, I've not seen the interview that from, what you've told me of, of his words. He doesn't sound bitter. He just sounds disappointed. I mean, he also came out with uh, this absolute butte, which I said in the Writers House group, this is going to be me when we talk about Arsenal. Anyway, I'm in a bad mood. You shouldn't really be, I've, I've come out here out of courtesy. Let, really. let- oh no, oh no. Anyway, I'm in a bad mood. I should, you know, I'll just come out of here out of courtesy, really. That is me on today's Stadio. Well, it's funny because I was watching a, a TV series recently um, was it one of these old reruns of a just streaming? Was it Marvel, Marvel's Agents of Shield? And there's a line in there which is fitting today's podcast. It's basically like, "You can be the voice of doom, I'll be the voice of hope." Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Good grief! I'm in a happy place. Yeah, well, I'm glad for you. Do you know who are in a happy place? Aston Villa record a record fifteenth straight home victory. A one 0 win over Arsenal followed up there. Very impressive win over Man City in midweek. An early John McGinn goal, mm. seven minutes in, was enough for Villa. Um, kind of a, kind of an odd game, I think, because Villa after the goal. Yeah, but listen, very, very different to their performance against City. Very different, yeah. And this, uh, Emmy Martinez said this afterwards actually, where he was just like, he was like, you know, I we haven't, I haven't really seen anyone dominate City like that, and then we had to like really suffer against Arsenal for eighty-five minutes. Right, because and you I think can't he's do kind that of right because I think Arsenal yeah. are really good. Well, it's bad misses. It's bad misses, though, isn't bad it? Bad finishing. Bad finishing. Odegaard with two misses. That yeah, that's it. That, that, it's those. It's those margins. Look, a draw at Villa Park this season. Excellent result. Fair Massive result. result. Villa with two very contrasting one nil wins. But you look at this week to beat what a week for them to beat Arsenal and City in the same week to score the winner in front of the whole ten for McGinn. Bailey with it, and look, Bailey just, Leon Bailey ice dancing for this is this gorgeous goal. I mean, the whole goal, Tielemans' pass as well was amazing yeah. for yeah. it. Was just, it was just a really, really well-worked goal. Like Ben White, I think, just doesn't get tight enough to McGinn at all. 
and it's interesting actually I don't want to pick him out but there's been a couple of times in the last couple of weeks where where White has maybe not got as tight as he should do to people mm. mind you there's a lot of that going around in general there's a lot of that I mean, going around yeah I mean we're getting to that point in the season where everyone is knackered this um, is it too yeah and you're yeah. about to do you know what this kind of feels like it's probably the equivalent to us this time just over a year ago when you're already absolutely knackered and you're like oh fuck the World Cup's coming up absolutely but yeah I thought Arsenal did enough to at least warrant a point yeah they missed some big chances they missed four big chances in the game if I think about that yeah what do you think about the 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 Harvard's disallowed goal at the end it was a weird one wasn't it I think they they had to disallow it they just had just because of that much contact with the hand yeah I don't think that at any point he really was he wasn't sort of dunking the ball but it came off Cash's hand as well a couple of times. I saw a lot of people saying like, you either disallow the goal and give a penalty or you reward the goal. And I was a bit like, no, actually just, no, you just, it's a free kick to Villa. I I, I saw it. I thought, no, they can't give that. They can't give that. I think it was, uh, I think it was karma for Koscielny's goal at Burnley a few years ago. Oh, really? We're going there? Do you know what what I thought? If I'm in all honesty, in in full disclosure, I thought, "Mm, shouldn't have left it so late. Should be one already. That was and that was my. They had enough uh, chances to put that, it away before that, that my, goal. That yeah. was my takeaway from yeah, it. Yeah. it. It should have been one all already. Yeah. And the major thing for me though, I think, was the was taking off Martinelli. I'm not sure if he had an injury, but if he didn't, I think that was a bit of a poor decision from Mikel Arteta because Arsenal just lost all momentum down that left hand side. After the fastest starter in the Premier League. Is he, this man, yeah. I think, Martinelli enters the opposition final third mm. on average more quickly than anybody else. He was the, he was there within twenty seconds. <laughs> Within 20 seconds of kickoff, he's in the final third again. Yeah. I mean, he's unreal. And he he was the major driving force. Actually, yep. it was a big weekend for Arsenal flying down the left. Caitlin Ford was balling yeah. out. We'll get to that. Tomorrow. But anyway, let's go back yeah, to Villa back, because back to Villa. I think that they are, I mean, we did a big thing on Villa on the last show. They are two points off the top of the Premier League. Right. They go to Brentford next, which their away form has been a little bit patchy, right? So I think that Brentford are on a bit of a sticky run as well they've lost four of the last five including a big win for Sheffield United yeah yeah I mean a massive win on the weekend Chris Wilder's first home game right and mm. um, was it their first no second home game sorry uh, obviously they lost to Liverpool in midweek but Chris Wilder's first win in his second game back mm. for Sheffield United um, yeah but sorry to jump in no no, no. Uh, but I think that's 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 a real if they go there and get a result then I don't know, you don't want to, not that it rests on what they do away at Brentford, but I think off the back of this week, you know, drawing away at Bournemouth, they beat Spurs away, then they draw away at Bournemouth before the, uh, like after, after the international break, then they beat City, then they beat Arsenal, they can go away and win at Brentford, then that feels like they've kind of clicked properly. And I really like their bench as well. Villa. Yeah, they've got They're great depth. subs, they've I got- mean they brought Matty Cash on, off the bench. And they've got Diaby in the mix as well. I mean, this is just the thing about about Villa. They have got the quality mm. to be, and we joked about, you know, I joked about sort of Aston Sevilla, you know, and then becoming like a sort of a Midlands version of Sevilla in terms of being a perennial, excellent, you know, Europa League side and mm. great value for that. I think they have the quality this season mm. to look for, Champions League. I'm not saying it will pan out that way because anything can happen in the last what 22 games, but they have the quality. Whatever happens from now Villa, on, Villa, 100%, yeah. yeah, and, and like 
if they maintain this, which is going to be difficult because I think City, I mean, Pep even said it in their win over Luton. Oh, everyone said City were done. And I was like, ah, you needed some motivation to kind of light a bit of a fire underneath them. Right, right. And you've got it now. You know, they beat Luton 2-1. Harsh on Luton. Two, two so. games in a row where they've had narrow defeats at home to, you know, top four sides. But they've been playing some really good stuff and I think they'll pick up points elsewhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, for Villa, just another another great result. Um, like you say, a little bit of a different performance. They really had to dig in there and I think that's the more impressive thing as opposed yeah. to... But their first 10, 10 minutes or so were, were, were great. They really caused Arsenal a load of problems. Um, just quickly shouting out, shout out Fulham. 10 goals in two games at home. Fulham look unbelievable. The, tra- the championship. <laughs> what the hell, man? Like West Ham got absolutely cooked. If someone said to you, Fulham will score 10 goals in the Premier League in December without replying two matches, you'd, you'd, you'd be amazed that they'd sold Mitrovic. Like without Mitrovic. That's the thing. Like they've, they've managed to reconfigure. Yeah. And actually we were talking about this in the, in the group about like the quality of the Premier League teams this year. Mm. And I'm wondering, is it... Is it more that the teams aren't necessarily bad? Is it because if you turn up just off the pace, you will get absolutely done in this league? Just because, everyone's league. Do, because everyone's doing their homework, though. That's the thing. And I'm really, really happy for Marco Silva, actually, to have that. I mean, the, but the West Ham thing is strange because they've just beaten... You just beat Spurs 2-1. <laughs> There's no rhyme Well, this, is, this goes on to the thing I was going to say. Like, let's round up the rest of the results first. Like, sure. Wolves, Wolves Forest won all and uh, Brighton... Burnley won all. Mm. Brighton having a clean sheet this year. No, Brighton have that thing where they have that record of they've scored and conceded in like every game ever. Or something. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. stupid like that. Everton, man, they'd be 10th. One point behind West Ham if they hadn't had their points deduction. That's kind of the brilliance of what I think Daesh has done here. It's just business as usual. We're going to stay He's playing really well. Yeah, he has. He really has. Might have to drop those diced up tees a little bit early. The, re- the reprise of the diced up tees. <laughs> the right not price. Even, not even 10 points can send us down. They're just, they're just keeping it moving really impressively. Yeah. yeah. I think they've been a bit unfairly treated. Yeah, I agree. I think they've been unfairly yeah. treated. I agree. Uh, Spurs 4, Newcastle 1. When Son is moving like this, it's, it's hard to believe he ever had that, that, bad se- that weirdly bad season that he had. Mm. It's so strange because he hunted these matchups. You look at uh, an example of a player going up against, you know, Kieran Trippier is a fine, fine defender. He's had a bit of a, and Son a just, little bit of a wobble in the last couple of games. He made a couple of errors in midweek. Right. And. But in, it's so on. strange. You, you look at this Spurs team when they're moving like this and it's wild to think that Richarlison has scored as few goals as he has in the Premier League. Mm. Looking at how naturally he fits into this attack. Kulisevsky again, very good. Son, the star, um, as said, Poro, Pedro Poro is just a beautiful playmaker. And a little nutmeg he did right late so, in the game. So good, <laughs> so good. And also the ball for the assist. Um, Spurs looking at their fluent best, and they've had a you know, difficult few weeks, I think, with a failure to get results going their way in the Premier League and some defensive lapses, and kind of reverting to... Not the mean, but to expectations. So right now... They've got some players back as well, huh? Well, they're they're about where, if you look at them in the league now and the core of the performances, they still are a bit ahead of schedule, even with the current results. Three points behind City, man. Right, right. Wild. And it was... was, They they, they were really glorious to watch. And the thing I think for Newcastle, 
so in Newcastle, sort of in mitigation, then Newcastle did that classic thing of we talked about missing big chances for thrashing. Uh, and actually, it's more Ben Davies' brilliant, brilliant tackle on Isaac to intercept mm. when Gordon puts it through. And then after then, it's kind of mostly Spurs. What was most impressive about Spurs was when Newcastle sat deep, they mm. just really picked them apart. They kind of got the looks they wanted, Spurs. They got exactly the looks they wanted. In Newcastle's defence, that that's same same outfield ten has started the last however many games, and it's and it's um, and Sandro it's Tonali to look a huge very miss, tired, a huge very miss. tired. Yeah, I mean losing Tonali with the ban, in addition to all of those injuries. I mean Spurs have had injuries in, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you're, what you're seeing now is Spurs have got one or two players back, mm. and they're starting to just figure it out a little bit again. Right. Or, or, but to be honest, I think Spurs have actually been playing pretty well despite the defeats. You can kind of see that they're, they're just, it's almost like getting reps until everyone's back. Yes. Newcastle are starting to, to kind of creak a bit. Mm. I think they, they desperately need some players back just to kind of refresh and or refresh that lineup. But um, when you think about Callum Wilson taking offence to Vicario, making faces at him, <laughs> can't take it entirely seriously he did say that you know there's a way to win and uh, and I was a bit like mm, let's not pull at that thread my man <laughs> let's not pull at that thread let's not <laughs> I was like wow top level footballers with uh, ethical, concerns, ethical concerns about victory <laughs> look I just think look when you've lost 4-1 away from home it's just a general, it's a glib, every, I think anything sets you off. Yeah. I can see why he was annoyed because I'd be annoyed if I was, you know, Spurs just. I mean, I, me I do it, but like people don't see, obviously, but when we do the podcast and I'm making a serious point, Musa is basically doing the same faces that Ficario does, but at me, and I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? I'm talking about like something really serious here. <laughs> Musa's just like, mm. I just chortling away. Tongue out, being like, nah. I'm just like what the fuck, man? It's rubbish. There's a way to podcast. And it's, this is not it. And, the, and I just find this a bit disrespectful. <laughs> good reasons. Good reasons not video. <laughs> All right. Um, I've, I've prolonged the inevitable long enough, but unfortunately we have to, uh, we have to talk about Manchester United. Oh, I thought the results were done this week. Sorry. Oh, uh, Manchester, there... Manchester United nil, Bournemouth three. Goodness. I'm going to let you take this away while I make Vicario style faces at you. Mr. I Mario. just want to give full credit to Bournemouth. That's all, really. I don't want to, because it's very easy. I think this is the problem. And actually, like, shout out to Bournemouth. I went to their, um, I was over at YouTube, sort of recapping everything. And just them talking about it is like one of the best ever results in the club's history. And that's what you've got to come from, really, with it. It's absolutely huge. You consider the situation Bournemouth had been in just a few months ago, the job Iroel has done moving in there, and just comprehensively outthinking United at, at multiple phases of the game. A clean sheet, a 3-0 win at Old Trafford. And, and the reason I'm, I'm framing this way is not because I'm trying to duck the issue because we know what the critiques of United are. It's that very often when a team like United suffer a victory like this, it becomes dominated by discourse about United as opposed to what Bournemouth did well. And what Bournemouth did well was actually in both open play on the counter. They basically did United's, <laughs> they used United against United. So United, their whole thing is, okay, Midfield chaos hit you on the counter. But they picked them off perfectly. And the, the perfect example of the second goal, the counter for that was excellent. You look at Solanke, who's been in the mix, uh, Billing, who are just fine players I've always enjoyed watching. 
and they've really just they found their place and Solanke in particular because Solanke had a kind of you know the move to Liverpool didn't quite work out and it's just really nice to see players like that in the Premier League thriving in the positions that they enjoy so that's my kind of take on it I know that's a bit of a sounds like a cop out but they're just really well coached mate they're a team they're a team they're Ryan. so well coached you know but I think we saw this early on in the season didn't we even in the games where they got yeah. hammered we were just yeah. like oh, man this this side's going to be when they Problem. click they're going to yeah. be really good right uh, and I think they've clicked like since you know they got hammered at City which I think is kind of fair enough I think the way I mean, that Bournemouth that, play that, actually they're kind pet, of perfect pet, for City yeah. yeah you know 2-0 against Newcastle 3-1 away at Sheffield United 2 all at home to Villa 2-0 away at Palace 3-0 away at Manchester United so they've not really been shipping that many goals either and those are good results actually really good results I don't know Manchester United just keep coming up against these tests at the moment by that are very that they're almost being sh- like Games that are holding a mirror to themselves, right? Week after week, and I just, I just imagine that must be fucking emotionally exhausting as a player or as a fan because you're just getting constant reminders about how good some of these other teams are. Like I know Newcastle got absolutely hammered against Spurs, but even against Manchester United, they just look really good. It's um, because they have a style or philosophy that they're executing consistently well. Mm. Manchester United have two problems. It's first deciding how you want to play and then executing it to the best of your ability. Mm. And that's the thing. And like, you know, we've talked about identity in football so often. Even with cities like bad run, I mean, also City have got all these resources, but still, even with City's bad run, they knew what their identity was and they could just return. They knew that at some point they would get back to it. United, first of all, they have huge resources, but they don't know exactly what they are. They don't know exactly what they are. I look at that midfield, I look at the accumulation of players they've got in that squad. I look at the wide forwards and I just think this feels a bit, how can you have that many players and it still feels threadbare? Yeah. You know, you look at the city, you look at the Aston Villa squad and it feels substantial. Everyone is I mean, there. they are missing, yeah, they are missing Mount, Martinez, Eriksen, yeah, Casemiro. No, yeah, like, we do. You know. No, but the United, I don't, it sounds awful to say this, but you don't get to use the excuse of absentees when you've got what United have, actually. I like, yeah. I, you, don't, you, just I don't, you just don't. And even like, you know, I know Newcastle have all this wealth, but they've only had that wealth for like a couple of years. United have had wealth for a generation. Mm. And it's just not acceptable. And it's not, this is not going to be a discourse about like what happens to Ten Hag or not, because I think that's a conversation at the time. But looking at this now is, it feels really abject. And it's not a crisis situation. It's almost, it's almost worse than a crisis. It's a stasis. A crisis, actually, there's such an urgency that you're like, okay, something's got to change rapidly. But this is almost, this is less like anaesthetic at the moment at United, where they're just kind of drifting. And they might get one great result one week and two great results another, uh, another week. And then it's, but it's not really surging anywhere. It's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. Ten Hag was manager of the month, last month in the Premier League. It's a sign of how, I suppose, how delicate it is. Because... It's very week to week. It's why you have to judge football in long-term trends. Exactly. You have to judge football. I mean, the, the, um, and the reason I mentioned this, you look at the, uh, the Sir Alex Ferguson quote that's now going viral again, the comment he made on Villa at the start of the season, they lost Mm. 5-1 to to Newcastle. And he said, he was asked which teams impressed him the most. And he, and he, everyone else, other teams had big wins first, Mm. first game of the season. And he said, actually, 
Villa, playing such good football, can't believe the scoreline. And he was basically like, they're a team to watch. They're the so Alex Ferguson knows ball. He really knows ball. And so, and that was a classic example of looking at a team in terms of their long-term capabilities, mm. which is why the patience was there with Arteta because Arteta, you could see the arc. And I've, you know, I've always been like this. I could always see with Arteta the day when or the week when people would find out that my pet was so angry that he left or upset that he left or concerned that he left. This kind of feels like the Premier League this season is very anti-narrative in mm, the sense that true. nothing really has a sense, nothing has time to build. Mm. It changes week to week. There's no real consistency this season in anything in the Premier League, like narrative really. Mm. Man United were really hard to figure out. They were terrible, but they were like three points behind City and now they're six points behind City. Uh, City were going to go lights out, then they kind of wobbled, then they're back. Liverpool top of the league. Villa are kind of pushing on. Spurs are rubbish, then great. No, Spurs are great, then rubbish, then great again. Newcastle were good, bad, good, bad, injured. Mm. Bournemouth climbing up there. Everton, 10 points were going down. Now they're back up. Chelsea are just, I think, in a kind of league of one. It's no rhyme or reason. You're right. There's, this, this is the season I can remember where it is the most chaotic. I mean, we use that word quite a fair bit, but... Yeah, but do you know if, what I mean? It kind of feels like nothing, just as a narrative starts to build, right. it's gone again. Yes. And it feels like this season it's happening more... It's especially so this season. You're completely right. And, le- and throughout the league, actually. If you look at the amount of teams that have had completely absurd results, like stellar performances and then absurd results. Mm. Like, and I, I know West Ham in microcosm of that, obviously mentioning like, you beat Spurs 2-1 and lose 5-0 to Fulham. What the hell? What the hell? Manchester United are sick then they've lost seven games. It's absolutely ridiculous. They have a negative goal difference. A negative goal difference. Ridiculous. It's a ridiculous season. The only teams, the only, deal with it. the only clubs that conduct themselves with consistency and therefore integrity, <laughs> Aston Villa and Luton, I would say, are the two teams that I look at most consistently, I've been watching that are like, oh, those clubs are most true to themselves. Like in terms of from week to week, I look at them, I know what I'm getting. Like I know what I'm getting when I watch the, both of those teams. I absolutely have every idea. I look at most of the other ones, I'm just, I don't know who's going to turn up actually. Half I don't know who's going to be playing. <laughs> it's like one of those restaurants, you know, those restaurants, it's like they've got no actual, they've just got the specials. Mm. There's those, those Portuguese restaurants with the chalk, you know, the chalk. Um, chalkboard. Right, the chalkboard. And they just change the menu every single week. Love that. Or to be honest, sorry, I'm feeling a bit salty about this. My local cafe, they change the cheesecakes every week. And I've not seen my, sorry, I've not seen my, I'm sorry, it's a bit of a sore point. I've not seen my favourite one for a few weeks now. That's becoming tense. That's the Premier League right now. I think that is a sign that we have done enough on the Premier League. (laughs) When I'm missing my cheesecakes. (laughs) The Cheesecake League. Anyway. Let's shout out Serie A very quick. Okay, Because yeah. um, Roma, down to nine men against Fiorentina. They drew one all. And uh, it was heading into stoppage time. And Jose Mourinho sent a note out <laughs> to give to the ball boy to go pass to Rui Patricio behind the goal. Mourinho is going to Mourinho. He is absolutely. And this game had his energy all over it. <sighs> Lukaku feeling everything. Scoring, then getting sent off. I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, that the is heroes, a- The hero's journey, whatever the opposite of the hero's journey is. Oh he ca- I imagine I imagine Lukaku came in and jo- Jose Mourinho was just like, I've never been more proud of you. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but Roma are fourth, man. They're in the Champions League spots. Um, Bologna pushing up as well. Yes. You know, that's a strange thing in Serie A this year. Um, Napoli are just kind of, not yeah. falling off a cliff, but they're like, you know, they're 14 Bad points season. off the pace. Bad season. Lost to Juve Friday night, was it? Yes, Gatti with a header. So they lost 1-0. Two, two losses on the bounce now. A loss to Inter and a loss to Juventus. It's just really, really... Three in the last four they've lost. It's really poor. Like, it's bad, yeah. No, I know that the loss of Min Kim was huge at the back, but also just the, it's, the main thing is the coaching changes. Mm. That's just, you know, no, no, no effort to really... Mm. So no ability to really get consistency there. Mm. So Inter again, very impressive though. Um, yeah. 4-0 of Udinese. Lautaro Martinez continues to scoring streak. Marcus Turam getting another... Chalanolu, six out of six from the spot this year. So Inter Very just rolling. Indeed. And DeMarco to- just yeah, one of the best fullbacks in world football. Can I shout out Atalanta beating Milan 3-2 and Luis Muriel's back heel winner? Absolutely. You can. The end of the yes, game. yes. It was so sick, this goal. It was Always so- good value. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but Lookman is, Adam Muller Lookman is playing really well. He's having a very good season for Atalanta. And, he's found uh, his forever home, hasn't he, Atalanta? Yeah. He looks, yeah. He looks like he's very... He looks like he's having a good time. Uh, cast your mind back. In this game. Cast your mind oh. back to that missed injury time penalty. I know. In the Premier missed League. Yeah. And like where he is now. I know. Yeah. Talk about resilience. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. Let's do it. Eintracht Frankfurt 5, Bayern Munich 1 on Saturday. Uh, proper football weather this. It was absolutely pissing down. With Clattering. Yep. Clattering Just, down. Oh, just love Love football in the rain. Bayern don't. Sounds, sounds like an 80s ballad. <laughs> I love football in the rain. What, new romantics, isn't it? The old romantics. Eintracht, well, they are a bunch of young romantics. They were excellent in this game. Talk a story, Mr. Wongwe. There's a couple of headline facts here. So they were spectacular in the first half, in particular Eintracht, and they were the first team to score five goals in, in an hour against Bayern since the 1970s. And the last thing to do that, of course, was, was Eintracht Frankfurt themselves. Oh, was it Eintracht? Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. One of those wild stats. They just overwhelmed, they overwhelmed Bayern. Was it the counter? Or was it just the, the, the actually, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me recap, let me recap, let me sort of track back. The key to this was they went at the weak points. They went at the fact that Bayern actually, despite having a very good defensive record, actually were a bit catfishy in the process of that. They were a step slow in previous games. And this was almost, I wouldn't say this result was coming, but I think a, a sizable, a substantial defeat was coming. Maybe like a 3-1. I mean, a 5 was not expecting, but I was expecting at some point Bayern to get a bad result this year. And we saw, I mean, they've, they've been using Goretzka at centre-back at different points this season. Min J Kim got absolutely roasted in a couple of one-on-one situations, which is extremely interesting. I think that not because he's not a great defender, it's because the way that Bayern play, I don't think they expect people to come at the heart of their defence with that level of intensity. So Ashgar Canal, shout out to him, he was brilliant. Goetzer was amazing at just pulling off and dropping the ball into space, finding pockets. And I think as well, I want to talk about Mbimbe actually. Mbimbe's movement, um, his two goals, absolutely brilliant. Also the thing that we talked about, the thrashing, the, the, the mischance for the thrashing. So Bayern actually have a really good chance for Harry Kane. 
he doesn't put away. I don't want to sort of, I don't want to sort of chance shame, but Bayern had that early miss and thereafter, Eintracht have been threatening this, I think, all year. And this kind of reminded me of when they went on that amazing run with, Rico, with, uh, amazing run with uh, Niko Kovac, actually, when they won the cup in the Pokal. It reminded me of that great front three they had of Jovic, Rebic and, um, and Kostic. Yeah, Jovic, Rebic, Kostic, that front three. It reminded me at times of that. I don't know if you felt the same. Um, kind of. I think Eintracht were good. <clears throat> I think they were helped by some really weird Bayern errors. Uh, I think... Neuer, like the, the, I can't remember whose goal it was. It was one of the, the goals that kind of was, was like a deflection and Neuer got a hand to it and he should have just basically saved it. Yeah, they were good, Eintracht. I think they capitalised on their moments and they just kind of were very, they were very efficient in their play. They really targeted that, that centre-back to pair. Like you mentioned, that centre-back pairing of Bayern has been a trouble all season. I think what they did really well was they just, they picked their moments and when they picked yeah. the moments, they kind of just like, swarmed Bayern's back too and just went out and, but I think there were so many little errors and everyone looked just a little bit rusty I think that'd be the main worry for me from, from, from a Thomas Tuchel point of view because mm. no one just seemed to be that really like that switched on maybe apart from like Leroy Sané The concern for Bayern is that I think it was uh, the fourth goal in Bimbe's second in Bimbe's second where the closest people to the ball were the defensive midfielders. Yeah. That was the weirdest thing. You had Goreska and Kimmich, and I'm like, okay, the number eight and the number three should not be that close to the ball. Like, you shouldn't... The centre-backs are just not abdicated. Yeah, they, they, they abdicated the throne. This happened at United a few times um, in their worst patches last season, where you would get United conceding in a central area, and the most central player would be a full-back, and you'd be like, this is complete disarray. Mm. And that happened time and again. Like even like if you look at some of the positioning for for Eintracht's goals, it looks like Goretzka's playing centre back, which is super weird. So I think maybe that's the problem. But that's also it's also a reflection on I think Eintracht's movement. I think in those spaces they were also quite useful in that sense. I mean, it stops a run of four straight defeats for Eintracht. Mm. You know, and they're just going hammer by him. But I think Thomas Tucker would just be like, "What were you all playing at? You're better than this," and just chalk it up and move on. But one of those that I think that. Weirdly, not the worst result for him because, you know, it gives him the excuse to be like, okay, this is what I've been talking about in training. They were looking in a way that Stuttgart drew with Leverkusen because... Yeah. Um, That's not him, a bad result though, actually, for Leverkusen. No, it's not. But And Bayern hosts Stuttgart next week. But if Bayern play like that against Stuttgart, they're going to get absolutely cooked. Mm. Yeah. Because like I say, like they were quite wasteful in front of goal. They were really poor at the back. Like it was basically the, a tale of the two boxes, you know, they were really poor in their own box and they were really poor in the opposition box. Right, they were. And, and like it. I said, some of those misses from them they came with a couple of misses that a different day, that's, he scores twice. They just looked a bit sleepy, Bayern. Yeah, out of sync. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't look sleepy. Who's that? Uh, Nenad Bielica in his first Bundesliga game. Union, three. Gladbach, one. Union out of the relegation zone. And it's a big deal. It's, it's a huge deal. It's, it's, it's just a, a shame. Deal. A huge shame that their kind of recovery came a moment too late. But I think that the change was needed. Yeah, but, new energy in there, shaking it up a little bit. And the reason this win is important, not just for the three points, but because of the goals. Mm. The only thing that Union are really, well, the main thing they're struggling with, I mean, the defence needs work. But I think because they've been shipping goals, the lack of goals they've got at the other end has gone slightly under the radar. They only had, mm. I think, I've done it 15 so far this year. Scored almost none. 
But if they can get like goals more regularly, I know that Gladbach ship a few themselves, so this isn't the best indicator. But if they can carry on finding goals, they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, Gladbach have got, what, the second worst defence in, yeah, the, the, in the Bundesliga? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, Union was just really good. He was he was really hype in the crowd. I think it just needed like a, a, a new, like that new energy in there. Mm. Um, and I'm quite excited about what they do. They go to Bochum next, who are just above them in the table, three points mm. ahead. Uh, they, they lost at the weekend to Hoffenheim. And uh, if they can pick up a point there or even win, mm. then... They're away. Back in the mix, yeah. Back They're in the mix. away. Uh, I was talking about the Julian Weigel uh, <laughs> sending, well, b- booking that should have been sent off. He had an absolute horror tackle where he flew in about knee height. Uh, not knee height. It was almost like hip height. Mm. Uh, got booked for it because I think it was more of a like a, he didn't, um, he didn't like go in with his studs. It was more like contact on, you know, like leg yeah. against. Him. Anyway, it went to VAR. The ref booked him and he, uh, I think he went to VAR and he came back and the ref did this thing which I've never actually seen but he basically was gesturing to him like he was giving like you know the kind of margin signal yeah, and he was basically like you were this far away from a red and booked him and I was like that's really interesting I don't think I've ever seen like Well that thing of calling for restraint I mean Weigel because normally could have yeah, gone though Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah should have yeah, gone, yeah, gone, gone I mean and also to be honest in German football they normally come down harder on that stuff mm. Like, I mean, yeah. The reds, like, the reds that I've saw, I mean, I've, I've talked this a thousand times, but the reds I saw since arriving in Germany compared to the ones I saw in the UK was like, whoa, you get red for that? But Weigel's a funny one because he's almost like a Walcott's law. Like he's been around for absolutely ages. He's already 28. Like, Maybe he feels like, yeah, he feels like he he's should. still 22, yeah. I think, Christ- no, he's not, yeah. Yeah, I think he, Christoph should, he feels like still, he should be. Christoph Kramer's still playing. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. A good result for Union. Uh, yeah. A good result for Leipzig away at Dortmund. Marco Rosa against his old club. Um, Mats Hummels was sent off after, what, 10 minutes mm. in this game? 15 minutes, sorry. Um, there was a... It was... A penalty was given and then it was overruled for a free kick, which meant that Mats Hummels was sent off. He was initially booked for it because it was a penalty. I think it probably should have been a penalty though because it looked like it continued into the box but I didn't actually see the replay of it. Um, so I'm going to trust the VAR on that. Oh wow, trust the VAR, that's... Well, I'm just going to say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people who hasn't had enough of experts even if I do disagree with them. I still am going to trust people to do their job. Um, but yeah, uh, Ben Zabini own goal after half an hour, gave Leipzig the lead. Nicolas Zula somehow went unmarked at the back post. Like the, big, yeah, the biggest man <laughs> in North Rhine-Westphalia. The biggest man in that, in that federal state. I <laughs> <laughs> um, thought he was a tree, actually. He probably was an actual tree. <laughs> Do you know what? He kind of does remind me of the ones from like uh, Lord of the Rings. The Ents. Yeah. Now he's too stocky. He's more ripped. The Ents are quite skinny. He's like actually, he's a unit. Yeah, but like a ripped Ent. Okay, okay yeah. uh, you know what, actually, a I'll allow it. I like that. A hench ent. A hent. A hent. There, it is. there he is. A hench. Um, Baumgartner said that he loved silencing the stadium. Uh, he scored after 54 minutes. Um, Paulson with the, the clincher in Lovely stoppage time at the end of Probably the game. The best was goal, yeah, it was nice. He, I, think, I think Schlotterbeck needs to do a little bit better there, to be honest. He gets sold a little bit too easily, yeah. I think. Um, Lost in the sauce. On his heels. And then uh, Nicholas Fulkrug with an absolute 
mega header to get a goal back in stoppage time after that. But it was that was it. But I think um, considering uh, Dortmund were down to ten men from what a quarter of an hour in, I think losing at home to Leipzig when you're down to ten men for that long mm. isn't the worst thing in the world. Edin yeah. Terzic said he was quite pleased with the performance. I think actually he could. He, yeah, I understand that. If someone had said to you start of the season that Dortmund would get more joy in the Champions League than in the Bundesliga, that might have been a slight surprise. Yeah, they need... Uh, I mean, the thing is, they're only like four points. The, the problem is with that Leipzig result is that it's just opened a little bit of a gap. It's four points now between them and Dortmund for the last mm. Champions League spot. There's so much football still to play this season. I think that right. Dortmund have got enough quality there to qualify for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. You know? I do, I do yeah. wonder whether Stuttgart will manage to last Maintain. the distance, but... The, cool, the good thing about Stuttgart is just, they just look really they look really solid. Yeah. They don't ship a lot of goals. Dortmund were defending kind of pro- quite well for, for a patch and then they just like lost it. They're just conceding way too many goals. They've been a bit wasteful in front of goal as well and also I just think that this doesn't seem to be like a an automatic style of play. Mm. They come unstuck against teams which do have that. Right. I think. And yeah. Leipzig are one of those. You know, they're very yeah. well coached. Michael Rose is doing a pretty good job there. They've got some really good players. One of those, man. Yeah. Is there anywhere else you want to go? Um, there is not, not, not. There's not. I think no? we're good. I think we're good. Are we good? Yes. We're good. We're good. You sure? Yes, absolutely sure. I've never, you know what? I've never been more sure of a thing all morning. You don't want to talk about Holstein Kiel going level on points with St. Pauli at the top of the <laughs> I don't, but I do want to plug your piece again, which I very much enjoyed. And which Thank took you, mate. Me, it took me into the derby. Took me right Thanks there. very much. Um, I, 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 was, I, I got a very good bit of feedback from a St. Pauli friend of ours, which, mm. uh, which uh, was, was very kind. I was just like, Phew. it's always, when you do stuff like that, it's always good. The, like the people who have been going for years are like, oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly how that's I want to go. Capture the mood, yeah. Cool. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. Um, and uh, don't forget to check Counter Press. Don't forget to check Righty's House this week. We are going to be back with you twice this week. Someone said, I can't remember where, but I saw a comment somewhere saying, hey, I would gladly listen to three stadios a week. Oh my goodness. Well, you're going to fucking get it this week, everyone. You're going to get it. <laughs> We're going to record yeah. uh, one after Tuesday's Champions League games, one after Wednesday's. So, um, really looking forward to those. Yeah, just yeah. So, we, so we have time to talk about all of them. Uh, it's going to be a big week for Champions League. Yes, indeed. Um, but yes, in the meantime, don't forget to check Stadio.Football. Like I say, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. Don't forget to check our Instagram, Stadio Football. And uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. This episode we're playing out on the sweet dub from Sonia Whittingham. Anything you would like to add, Moose Ogwonga? Uh Actually, just very quickly put a pin in this. So our mutual friend, the great Callum Jacobs. Um, yes. He said, and this is something to throw out in the future, he said, watching Ross Barkley at Luton, playing some wonderful football. He said, there is a player that's having a kind of, sort of late era, late career renaissance. And he said, at some point, you have to talk about players who've had great late career renaissances. And I want to end by shouting, because the Ross Barkley just did some things against City, a couple of pieces of footwork that were absolutely interstellar. 
He's, I would grace any team and beautiful Ka- to watch. Callum is going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to do it publicly. Let's get Callum on and we'll talk about it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Love that. Love that. You can't back out now, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Much love. Uh, I was going to say have a lovely week, but have a lovely day and a half. Mm. Maybe we'll a little bit longer. Yes. We'll catch you many times this week. Absolutely. See you then. <laughs>